You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Turns out food processing is also vulnerable to ransomware, the case of multinational meat provider JBS. The U.S. and Russia are in communication about the possibility that the criminals responsible for the JBS incident might be harbored in Russia. Domains used in the USAID impersonation campaign have been seized by the U.S. Justice Department. Our guest is Melissa Gaddis from TransUnion with results from their Global Consumer Pulse study. Joe Kerrigan looks at criminals abusing online search ads. And Siemens addresses a critical issue in its PLCs. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. JBS, the Sao Paulo based multinational meat processing company, sustained a ransomware attack on Sunday. Company servers in the U.S. and Australia were hit, inducing the company to shut down some operations in Australia, the U.S., and Canada. Operations elsewhere were unaffected. The company summarized the incident in a media release it issued the day after the attack. Quote, On Sunday, May 30th, JBS USA determined that it was the target of an organized cybersecurity attack affecting some of the servers supporting its North American and Australian IT systems. The company took immediate action, suspending all affected systems, notifying authorities and activating the company's global network of IT professionals and third-party experts to resolve the situation. The company's backup servers were not affected, and it is actively working with an incident response firm to restore its systems as soon as possible. End quote. A follow-up announcement yesterday said that JBS had begun resumption of deliveries to its customers and that a full recovery is in progress. As far as the company has been able to determine, no customer, supplier, or employee information was compromised. JBS concluded that it had been hit by a Russian ransomware gang, and Reuters says communicated that conclusion to U.S. authorities, who seemed to have accepted it. And while JBS didn't initially call the attack ransomware, the White House did, the BBC cites White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre, who yesterday said, quote, JBS notified the White House that the ransom demand came from a criminal organization likely based in Russia. The White House is engaging directly with the Russian government on this matter and delivering the message that responsible states do not harbor ransomware criminals, end quote. If they're betting on form, on a priori probability, 
that's not an unreasonable working theory, and JBS presumably has shared the ransom note. Russia's Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov confirmed that the U.S. government had been in touch with Moscow. There's no word on whether JBS has paid, intends to pay, or has refused to pay the ransom the attackers demanded. JBS is a very big operation, currently the world's largest beef and poultry producer and the second largest pork producer, Bleeping Computer points out. The FBI is investigating, as are law enforcement agencies in Australia, where the ABC reports the Federal Agriculture Ministry is working to help bring JBS operations back online. The Australian Cybersecurity Center is also rendering assistance. Forbes describes the effects of the attack on JBS Canadian plants, where facilities in Alberta and Ontario also suspended operations. The industry publication Beef Central has an account of the effect a ransomware attack can have on a food processor. They wrote, quote, Like all large meat processors, virtually every part of the modern JBS processing business is heavily reliant on computer systems and Internet connectivity for record-keeping, regulatory documentation, sortation, and countless other functions, end quote. The sector is one in which timing is vital to the supply chain, and the effects of a disruption in a major supply quickly ripple through vendors and customers. The Wall Street Journal quotes industry observers to the effect that a lot of frenzied buying of fresh commodities is underway. The incident has also had an effect on commodities speculation. Quote, Live cattle futures trading on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange fell on Tuesday, with the most active cattle contract closing down Tuesday by 1.9%, to nearly $1.17 a pound. The primary factor driving the contract down was the hack, livestock traders said, raising the risk that some plants would be unable to purchase livestock. Comparisons with the Colonial Pipeline incident have been widespread, with Input Magazine providing a representative sample. In both cases, a ransomware attack on a critical private sector company induced that company to shut down operations while it contained and remediated the incident. The attack on JBS was, like that on Colonial Pipeline, brazen, in that, as Recode points out, they picked a high-profile target where an attack couldn't be quietly hushed up or gone without general public notice. This suggests that the gang really aren't particularly concerned about being detected and pursued, and that seems to have been true in both cases. Whatever implausible statements Colonial's dark side attackers may have made about retiring from their criminal activities. The Washington Post's Cyber 202 quotes with approval various experts who think this latest incident makes the case for mandatory industry standards and more effective regulation even stronger than the Colonial Pipeline attack had already rendered it. So, the JBS hack will give Presidents Biden and Putin another possible topic of discussion during their upcoming summit. The U.S. president is expected to bring up the SolarWinds incident and the more recent compromise of USAID's constant contact email account. That second incident, described by Microsoft, SecureWorks, Minerva, and others, is seen by many as a supply chain incident, and many are calling for U.S. action against the presumed Russian authors of the attack. CISA and the FBI are being circumspect about attribution, but industry researchers are not, attributing the campaign to the threat actor variously called Nobelium, 
APT-29, Cozy Bear, and The Dukes, or in plain organizational terms, Russia's SVR, Foreign Intelligence Service. Part of that action will be legal, as it has been in past incidents. The U.S. Department of Justice yesterday announced the seizure of domains the USAID impersonators used to control the cobalt strike tools they implanted in their victims' networks. The action was taken on Friday, pursuant to an order issued by the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. The announcement said, quote, The National Security Division's Counterintelligence and Export Control Section and the United States Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia are investigating this matter in coordination with the FBI's Cyber Division and Washington Field Office. End quote. Here on the U.S. East Coast, Brood 10 cicadas are having an increasing impact on industry. For more on that, we go to the cicadas right outside our office door. That was Brood 10 cicadas for the Cyberwire. And finally, CISA has issued an advisory about vulnerabilities found and patched in the Siemens Somatic S7-1200 and S7-1500 CPU families of programmable logic controllers. Industrial cybersecurity firm Clarity's analysis of the vulnerabilities calls them the holy grail of PLC vulnerabilities. The memory bypass issues could permit attackers to write native code in the PLCs, as CISA puts it, quote, successful exploitation of this vulnerability could allow an attacker to write arbitrary data and code to protected memory areas or read sensitive data to launch further attacks. Quote, if you operate Siemens PLCs, by all means upgrade to the latest versions the company has provided. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. 
Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The folks at consumer credit reporting agency TransUnion recently published their Global Consumer Pulse study, and it confirmed what many of us probably expected. Attempts at digital fraud were way up throughout the pandemic. Melissa Gaddis is Senior Director of Customer Success for Global Fraud and Identity Solutions at TransUnion. Well, we track fraud, fraud trends, and the consumer survey has been conducted for years. But we were particularly interested a year or so ago in the impact that COVID and the pandemic was having on fraud, both um, via the surveys we're finding via the surveys that we're sending out globally, as well as what we're seeing with our own transactions within our True Validate solutions. Hmm. Do you have any sense for whether we expect to see this uh, continuing as things settle down post-pandemic? In other words, is is this the the shape of things to come? This shift towards um, an increased uh, focus from the bad guys on these types of fraud, or might we see things um, ease off a little bit? I think we're going to see a few things. First, I don't think that we're going to go back to where we were pre-pandemic. I think that people, the way we're working is shifting. I think more people are going to be telecommuting. I think more businesses have found a niche on being online where they wouldn't necessarily have gone as quickly as they did this past year. Not 100% brick and mortar or brick and mortar businesses are opening back up. People are going in person and there's a, a real value in that, but it's not going to go back to where we were before. And as such, there's more opportunity for fraud to be perpetrated. However, as businesses decide this is their reality moving forward and their business model moving forward. We have seen a shift in businesses put protections in place, um, you know, monitoring devices that are accessing their accounts, knowing where, you know, that Melissa Gaddis usually logs in from, you know, one of the four devices I have on my my desk right now, right? <laughs> right, and, right. But from Portland, right? And um and and knowing when the anomalies kick in and questioning um in real time, you know, maybe a putting in some friction to ensure that it is me if suddenly I pop up from you know somewhere else in the world, which pre-pandemic would have been normal because I traveled quite a bit and will again. Um, but they have to they have to recognize that. Um, but mm-hmm. as as businesses put those protections in place, which protect both the consumer and the business, now it gets harder for the fraud to be perpetrated. And therefore, again, going back to that return on investment, the fraudsters are going to find a different avenue. They're always going to find a new avenue. So I think the fraud trends are going to start um, lowering, declining, but it's not going to go back to where we were just because there's more avenues now. I do think, though, that as the dust settles here, we will start seeing um, less of this younger generation getting targeted because now it's becoming the new norm. People are going back to employment and um, that that sense of desperation um, goes, goes away or it lowers. 
um, people aren't going to fall for the phishing attacks like they they have been um, in the past year. That's Melissa Gaddis from TransUnion. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. You know, over on Hacking Humans, we cover a lot of scams and social engineering uh, things, all that stuff. All that great stuff. (laughs) All that great stuff. And... Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but this is there's a story over on The Verge uh, mm-hmm. written by Sean Hollister, uh, and it's titled Amazon is Suing to Stop SMS Raffle Scams. Have you ever received one of these scams? Why don't you describe to us what's going on here, Joe? So it's a uh, it's a it's a typical SMS scam. It's I like the way they call it smishing, right? Because yep. it's uh, like phishing, but you use SMS instead of email, right? Uh, so the victim receives a text message, mm. and in fact, the author Sean has received one such message and has a picture of it here. And what's interesting is it says Amazon colon congratulations Sean. And then it says, you came in second in March's Amazon pod raffle. Hmm. Check the link or click the link to, uh, click the link to, and then colon, and it just has a link. Okay. Right? And it's one of those, uh, it looks like it's one of those link shortening services. Right. Um, right. But who knows what it is? It, it, <laughs> it could just be a link to the, because it looks like a random series of characters in yeah. the domain name as well. Right. Um, of course, when you click on the link, Sean actually did that. It says, congratulations, today you have been chosen to participate in a survey, and then it collects a bunch of information from you and then tries to get you to buy stuff from uh, some other site that isn't Amazon. And the speculation is that this SMS is being sent out by some affiliate of some other marketing organization. Mm -hmm. So Amazon has filed a lawsuit uh, against 50 unnamed people. They're all John Doe's is what they're called. Yeah. Uh, And this tactic has worked in the past to help unmask these people. Ah. So what they do is they 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 get a doe subpoena and then they start going after the uh, senders of these messages to try to find people. And in the past, they have found uh, four people and managed to get an injunction issued. I don't know how effective that is. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they may find the same four people behind it right now. <laughs> uh, and Amazon says it's won at least $1.5 million in settlements. Yeah. I'd like to know how many of those $1.5 million they have collected. Um, I would guess it's very close to zero. Yeah. Well, and all that's chump change for Amazon. Sure it is. I think, I mean, part of the... What, what's interesting here is that that page that um, Sean clicked through to mm-hmm. looks just like an Amazon. I mean, it's branded with all right. sorts of Amazon stuff. And that's right? actually the basis of the lawsuit is yeah. they're saying, we're going after these people because they're using our, our logo 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, you know, I, I think Amazon should be doing this. Number one, it's it, it it's not just trademark infringement. It's actually harming people in Amazon's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they should absolutely be going after these people. Yeah, reputational damage, right? All that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And also, they make the point here that uh, it's also putting the word out to other folks who may be trying to pull off these sorts of scams that Amazon is going to try to come after you. Right. And so you, you're going to have to be looking over your shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not really one to uh, to say, yeah, I want companies going after people, especially large, powerful, multinational conglomerate companies run by <laughs> billionaires who send rockets into space right. coming after people. <laughs> but in this case, um, you know, I think Amazon's doing the right thing here. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think they're doing uh, they're doing what they should. They 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 need to protect their their image, uh, you know, which they're entitled to do. Yeah. But they, more importantly, they need to con- protect the consumers, and this is definitely something that moves in that direction. Yeah, and I guess also obviously the the uh, the other part of this is that if you find yourself getting one of these text messages, uh, ignore it. Right. Don't, don't, Absolutely. Yeah. And, but also, you know, spread the word to your friends, family, loved ones, you know, your parents, all those folks. Because, uh, you know, those of us who are in the know about these security things, we may, you know, raise our eyebrows and and laugh that how could someone fall for this? But as as we talk about over on Hacking Humans, people fall for these things all the time. And we can't, you know, we can't blame the victim, uh, can't make them feel bad about it. The best we can do is equip them so that if they do get something like this, they're educated to know what to do and to not do anything. Right. And they just ignore it. Exactly. Block the sender. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out the first free season of CSO Perspectives, our podcast hosted by my colleague Rick Howard. It's available on our website, thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Guru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here at n2k cyberwire we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network that's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey it only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable plus you'll have the chance to win a hundred dollar amazon gift card as a thank you for your time head on over to cyberwire.com survey that's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.
And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 